Hey Baltimore, it's Megan. Uh, today I'm here with Alexander Jarman and Liz Franz, who are at the Walters. Thank you for being here. Thank Good morning, you. thank you. So if you wouldn't mind starting, um, just talk to me about your positions and, and what you do for the Walters. Absolutely. Um, so my name is Liz Franz. I'm the development coordinator at the Walters Art Museum. Um, so I'm helping with our annual fund program in the fundraising department. Um, but I also am the museum liaison with our affiliate groups. So we have the Friends of the Asian Collection, we have a women's committee group, and we also have the Walters Enthusiasts, who are our young professionals group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and over in uh, adult and community programs, uh, we do some fun things inside the museum, like workshops, tours, uh, lectures, concerts, all kinds of performances. Um, but then we do some amazing things outside of the museum. We go to community festivals, uh, library branches, and do uh, art making with um, actually anyone, <laughs> basically <laughs> six years old to uh, 96 years old. That's a good range. Yeah. So how did you both end up at the Walters? Well, this is, uh, this is actually my second museum. And um, for anyone who's thinking remotely about museums, my advice is actually just to volunteer um, uh, to do internships. Um, that's how I got my start at the San Diego Museum of Art. Uh, Is that where you're from? Uh, for the last 10 years, uh, yeah. uh, I was living in San Diego. And um, yeah, I worked at the San Diego Museum of Art for about seven years. Uh, and then the Walters gave me a call, and it's very hard to turn them down. They're such a big, huge, amazing museum. So uh, that's how I came out to Baltimore. But that's a big change. It's a big change, but it's a good change. Yeah. Uh, Do you like Baltimore? I tell everyone that San Diego has three times the population of Baltimore, but Baltimore has three times as much art and culture as San Diego. So it's That's definitely great. great to be out here on the East Coast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what about you, Liz? Uh, yeah. Um, I actually have a very different background. I have a oboe performance degree from St. Mary's College of Maryland, and then I went on to do, get my master's at Ohio State University in arts administration, uh, education, and policy. Um, and then I ended up here at the Walters just through a love of all things art um, and through an interest in development and fundraising. I actually wrote my thesis, <clears throat> excuse me, um, my master's thesis on connecting younger audiences, young professionals to the art and culture world through the symphony. And so I'm taking a lot of those same concepts and applying them here with the Walters Enthusiasts. Yeah. Um, what are those concepts? And do you mind talking about the Walters Enthusiasts? Because I think that's yeah. actually a great... Sure. Okay. Well, I'll start with um, the group itself. Um, The WE, as we call it, is uh, actually a couple of years old now. Um, It's a group of young professionals who are building a network with each other and having experiences through art. Um, So we're looking to build really the next generation of museum goers um, together through the WE. Um, We have a lot of networking opportunities. We have volunteering opportunities. and we also plan a lot of fundraisers, including the party that's coming up on October 15th. Which um, I'm very excited for. Yes, As a Walters enthusiast party. myself, <laughs> yes, I indeed. got the invitation. It's beautiful. Um, and can you talk about the theme? Because it's interesting, and I'm wondering how you're supposed to honor the theme as an attendee. Okay, yes. Well, the theme is um, a medieval revelry. So we're actually building the theme off of our upcoming fall exhibition, uh, Feast for the Senses, Art and Experience in Medieval Europe. Um, It's a mouthful, so I'm (laughs) proud of myself for remembering that. But um, it's all things um, art in the Middle Ages, and we're, we're, it's, it's this five senses experience. So you're thinking of, you know, a lush rose garden. Um, how did things smell? How did you experience art with 
you know, all of your senses. I would um, say roses are an optimistic way to smell the middle, the middle of the It would be optimistic. <laughs> Please shower before coming to the gala party. Um, but on the invitation, it says adorn yourself with flowers. So we have this really lush garden theme going on um, at the party and the gala. Cool. Yeah. And so the other thing that's really cool about the gala, and which I've actually taken advantage of in the past, is you can either buy tickets for the entire event, which is a little bit pricey. It's sort of an investment in the museum um, as well as, you know, yeah. buying a table. But then if you are not quite there in your financial life, mm-hmm. um, you can attend starting at 9 o'clock. And it's this awesome party, dancing, drinks. Um, and you're in the room with people that maybe you wouldn't typically be in the room with, which Absolutely. I think is so uniquely Baltimore to have access like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I just I think that's really cool. We can so. loop back to your earlier question, actually, about... Um, just to close that loop about my thesis and what I can bring to the we, um, actually one of the main things that I found is that technology bridges that gap. So the museum is really looking forward um, to how we can build in smarter technology, how you can interface with the art that way, and creating new experiences. Um, actually, we had an Art Sound Now program recently that Alexander can talk a little bit more about um, that was you know, the premiere of and artwork. It was having these performance artists in the gallery helping you experience the art in a brand new way. Uh, yeah, Art Sound Now is our um, program at the museum for primarily for sound artists. And uh, the very simple premise is, you know, we've all uh, sort of seen that format in, in the past where you ask an, a musician to interpret a painting or something like that. And, and we actually want to resist that. We don't want to bring in a musician and say, all right, translate note for note this pigment into sound. What we want to do is we want to invite... I mean, well, that sounds crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's crazy. Obviously, it's very subjective. There's nothing yeah. wrong with it. But, but I, th- I think we um, were either more pragmatic or, or just more interested... Um, in the the um, inspiration that artwork can serve to people, whether or not they're artists. So what we do is we invite artists to come in and we say, pick a gallery that really inspires you, and then create a soundscape to go in that gallery. Mm-hmm. And when we invite the public in, it's not about looking at the musician uh, when they're playing. It's about coming in and still looking at the paintings, but hearing a sound you've never heard before when you're looking at those paintings we are making a bet that it's going to make you look at the paintings very differently. So very that's cool. that's our Art Sound Now program. And when is that offered? It's uh, every summer, actually. Uh, we do it on the last Thursday of the month, every summer, um, and it's something very different each time. Yeah, and so does that actually loop in with um, the Thursday nights where the Walters is open late? Yeah, Thursday nights, uh, we're open till 9 p.m., and uh, almost every single Thursday you're going to find uh, some sort of designated program, um, just going to the galleries um, themselves at night is really wonderful. We always have um, some beer and wine there, so mm-hmm. if you want to uh, you know, make it a date with your friends, uh, you can certainly do that. But a lot of times on Thursday nights, that's where you're also going to find special lectures, workshops, uh, concerts. Um, and you know, when you look at our programming, actually um, at least half of it is free. So there's a lot of stuff where we're not asking you to part with any of your money. We just want you to have a great experience at the museum. Yeah. And then there are also programs for children. I know that's not really your purview, but as a mother, I'm thrilled to have this um, opportunity in our neighborhood. Um, do you mind speaking to any of those programs? 
Sure. The, you know, the great thing about um, you coming to a, a party or a gala or, or some sort of fundraiser event at the museum is a lot of times those um, parties are funding the education programs at the museum. Yeah. Um, so you can feel good about coming and having a great time at the museum. The early education programs will literally start working with you and your child when they're a toddler. Um, so we have programs for zero to 12 months. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we, you know, then we deal um, uh, all the way up to teens. Um, we have a teen program. Uh, something that a lot of people don't realize uh, on the weekends, we offer free art making uh, for families. It's drop in, so it's not a big time commitment. You can spend five minutes or five hours there. Mm-hmm. It's totally free and it's different every single weekend. Very cool. So, what do you think the Walters has done for Baltimore? Because it's been around for quite some time. The, the Walters family is so fascinating. Um, but what do you think they have done, and what do you think they continue to do? You know, I think it starts off with an amazing gift, right? I mean, this collection technically does belong to the city of Baltimore. Uh, Mr. Walters left it in his will to the mayor and city council for the public benefit. Um, and for the last 10 years now, we've been uh, free. So you look at those two things. You've got a great collection um, that belongs to the city. Now it's free for anyone in the city to come. So those are, those are great things right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we continue to do is try and make sure that everyone feels comfortable there and feels like it's a place that they have access to. Just because your doors are open um, doesn't mean there's not a threshold fear for some people. Uh, and I think we are trying to put out this message that we are actually a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, so sometimes you can come to the museum and we have fun party, but museums can also be spaces for critical debate, for tough conversations. They can be a place to learn either about the stuff that we have on our walls or learn how to do a new skill. You can come take a workshop. Um, and that means that we're a really dynamic place. Um, and museums do not historically have uh, long histories of being open, accessible, um, and serving the needs of their community. I think that's something you've seen in only in, really in the last 20 years uh, from museums. So, um, What do you think brought that change around? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I think that um, if you look at the late 70s, and I think it's uh, maybe 1977, you have this huge exhibition at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, The Treasures of Tutankhamun. Um, So we get the King Tut show. And uh, previous to that, you had seen these sort of um, superannuated guys writing checks at the end of the year to make up the deficit that the museum was running. Well, that King Tut show came through, and you had people lined up for miles. And uh, people figured out, oh, well, if you just have a blockbuster exhibition, then we make a bunch of money and you Mm -hmm. don't have to have a deficit at the end of the year. And for a couple decades after that, museums really got caught up in this cycle of the blockbuster exhibition and the big show that travels all around. And pumping all this money into the exhibitions meant that we weren't spending those dollars in other places Mm -hmm. um, like community programs. And so I I think, you know, that uh, really had its cycle and um, museums are much less focused on blockbusters because they, they realized that people were coming to the blockbusters, but then they weren't coming back until you had the next blockbuster. So if you want to create an audience for yourself that's going to come back to the museum on a weekly, on a monthly basis, just because they love the place, that means that you have to do the work to be um, accessible and friendly and engaging Mm -hmm. to what those audiences want to see year-round. 
and not just worry about the big, flashy, one-off exhibition. So I think that's sort of, yeah. in a nutshell, where we're at today. Very cool. Um, so how do we keep the Walters free for people to come in or, or keep these community programs at low cost? Sure. Well, can talk about yeah. <laughs> some of the ways <laughs> to support that. So this October um, in 2016 actually does mark our 10th anniversary of free admission. Um, so I would say that, first and foremost, the support of our members is so important. We have members, we have a veritable army of docents supporting us and really making the Walters work. Um, and we would really not be able to function without them. We also have amazing gifts from really federal, state, and city level that support the Walters. Um, would you say attending public programs also is important? Well, it's important because I think that sends a message to uh, the senior officials uh, at the museum that um, this is a place that is vibrant and um, is really serving um, uh, some dynamic audiences that we want to see back at the museum. So yes, if you if you just come, uh, leave us an evaluation, give us some some um, good feedback. Um, that's another great way to help support the museum. And where can people find more out about the programs? So all our programs are uh, in, in two great places online. One is our website, of course, and the other is our Facebook page. Um, we, at least for the, the two months um, upcoming, we have uh, the programs listed there. And, um, and we actually are pretty good about answering your questions. If you ask us a question on Facebook or you email us, we'll get, we'll get back to you pretty quickly. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Megan. Thank you. Yep.